Joan Hogan welcoming you to the Prairie Doc radio program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, is unable to be with us today, so I'm happy to welcome our guest. Before I do, I should always mention, because people are concerned about Dr. Holmes' health, he is fine. He's just had an opportunity to give a talk on his book this morning, so we let him go, and I'm so thrilled that we let him go because our guest in the studio today has a fantastic subject matter to cover. Our guest is Bernadette Olson. She's an SDSU professor in the Health and Nutritional Science Department. Dr. Olson is also a certified athletic trainer. She's both a teacher and researcher at South Dakota State. Welcome, Bernadette. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on today. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And uh, for those who don't know you, and I I just knew your husband. I didn't know you. He's been, uh, (laughs) he's a great guy. He's done a lot of work at our home, and we really appreciate it. And... uh, and you're also the daughter-in-law of Maggie Olson. My goodness, that name was is well-known in Brookings. Yeah, no doubt, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, Maggie's been around a long time. <laughs> Tell me, you're in Brookings now, and uh, you teach at State. Have you lived here all your life? I have not. Uh, I've lived in Brookings for 25 years now, so that's probably why you know my husband. Okay. And his family there, uh, Brookings natives. No, I'm from the East Coast. I'm originally okay. from Delaware, uh, and... Um, I grew up, went to the University of Delaware as an undergraduate. That's where I completed my athletic training degree. I moved to Virginia for five years. Uh, I worked as an athletic trainer at a small college in uh, Lexington, Virginia, called Washington Lee University. And then I did my, uh, finished my master's degree at UVA, University of Virginia. Uh, and then I moved out here. Uh, and I started my position at State as an instructor and an athletic trainer uh, for the athletic department at state and uh, have gone through many changes since I've been here uh, and I'm currently in my faculty role and I teach predominantly in our athletic training education program. Well that's great, quite a background. When I hear UVA, you know I love South Dakota State, but UVA is not exactly a slough off school. That's one tough school to get into. Uh, Top credentials. It was a great experience, Uh, learned a lot, uh, met great people, still network and have great colleagues who actually helped me to start this project. Well good. And the project Dr. Olson's talking about is a project that she has uh, done research and focused on health and safety and physically active youth and then she assesses and manages the sports-related concussions. So concussion is the major word today. If you're interested in, in uh, knowing more about sports-related concussions, for, especially for children, your, your program is, your research has dealt with high school age or what age children? Uh, sure. Yeah, the age group that I focus on is uh, 12 to 18. 12 to 18. Yeah. Okay. And the research is has to do with concussions. I want to know all about this. So I think we'll take our first break so that we can then spend a good amount of time discussing the research and what you found about concussions in our youth. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. As I mentioned at the outset of the program, Dr. Holm is busy talking about his book in another affair, but we're very happy to have us joined today by Bernadette Olson, a South Dakota State University professor in the Health and Nutritional Science Department. Bernadette, you teach athletic training students at South Dakota State. Is this what prompted your interest in concussions? Uh, Certainly my background in athletic training uh, uh, definitely had a a big role in, uh, in taking on this project. 
I think there were probably two things that uh, that really spearheaded it. However, um, in about 2009, 2010, I was looking for a clinical research line, something that was popular, but I was very interested in continuing to give back to the community uh, because I had come out of practice uh, in the SDSU sports medicine arena. Uh, and then on the other side of it, um, we... Uh, had a relationship with uh, Brookings High School as well as six area school districts. So I asked them, what, what, what topic would you like me to take on? And that year happened to be the year, it was in 2011, it happened to be the year that uh, our sport concussion law went into effect in the state. So they were very passionate about putting into place some sort of program that they could uh, complete some baseline testing for their students. And then if students had concussions, to have a process that we could evaluate those kids. And how perfect. I mean, they're interested in the clinical part of it. Um, studying rural children and concussions, are they happening in a rural environment, uh, really hadn't uh, been, been taken on as a, as a research topic. So, uh, so we got together. I visited with uh, some colleagues of mine who had been working in this area, and uh, we put our original project together. And um, it's... I had mentioned to you in preparation, uh, the project is not my own. Uh, there's a lot of people that really make uh, the entire process work for us. So that's that's really how it got. That's how it got started. That's how it got started. Yeah. So 2011, you started a program, and you included seven area high schools. We right? did. Okay. We did. You know, before we go on with this, you probably should define what is a concussion. Right. So. Um, so a concussion, first of all, is something, it, it's, a, it's a head injury, but it's caused by trauma, meaning that an individual either took a blow to the head or they fell off their bike and skidded into a curb, they hit their head, or it could also occur in like a whiplash mechanism. So they could hit their body, but throws their head back, causes the brain to bounce across the skull. So it's a, a traumatic event. The other part of concussion is that it is a physiological change, meaning that uh, the activity that happens between uh, the nerves and the brains, it, it just it, it gets messed up, it gets confused. So it doesn't have a, a structural change to it, like a skull fracture or a bleed. And that's what actually makes it very difficult to pick up. Uh, it, like you wouldn't pick it up on an x-ray or a CT scan. They cannot. No, but what we see as a result is there's functional changes. People have headaches and they're dizzy and nauseous or they can't concentrate. They lose their balance or they have vision focus. So when we are trying to assess a concussion, that's really what we focus on are the functional problems that individuals are having. A concussion is a concussion no matter how the trauma comes. We call it a sport concussion when the trauma happens as a result of a sport event and or the individual has to uh, make a return to play decision. So I'm not just getting better, but am I ready to take on another blow? Am I going to be safe if I get back into that football game or basketball game? Yep. And those are things that are important to know. And you mentioned Absolutely. some of the common symptoms. So it's not right. uh, something you can get in an x-ray. It's just uh, their their mental capacity or yeah. what would you say? Or their yeah. ability to stand. I'm not sure. There's yeah. just a lot. There's not too many yep. definite uh, symptoms, but there are symptoms. Huh? Absolutely. Researchers have identified about 22 different symptoms that can be a result of a concussion. They can happen individually or together. Uh, so the most common ones, headache, dizzy, 
uh, nausea, uh, but they can also fall into categories of uh, sensitivity. So they have trouble with light, really bright lights or loud noises. They might, they're somatic, they might have difficulty sleeping. They're sleeping too much or they're sleeping too little or they can't get to sleep and stay to sleep. Um, they could have concentration issues. So I'm in class and I just, I just don't get it. I, I can't pay attention to what the teacher is telling me. I can't remember what we're saying. So, um, so we're, we're recognizing that it's more than just headaches. Okay. Um, you know, I guess if you're knocked out in the football field, you probably presume there might be a concussion. Right. Do you have to be knocked out to have a concussion? No. And really? No, no. And I think if there's, uh, if there's anything that research has helped to uh, really push us forward and say uh, we, we need to take a look at concussion from a broader perspective, not just loss of uh, consciousness, about 85% of individuals who suffer concussion do not lose consciousness, but they have this array of symptoms. 85%? About 85%. So only about 15% wow. of... Actually are knocked yep, out. Yep. And when I looked at um, all the students, and we worked with about 475 kids over the last seven and a half years, uh, we're, we're about right. You know, probably about 10% of our kids have presented with loss of consciousness, uh, but most of them do not uh, lose consciousness. But which they have some of these symptoms you mentioned, oh, so absolutely. then they go for help. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when is it not a concussion? What, what if it's something more serious than that? How can, right. will the doctor be able to figure that out? Right. So, um, I so, guess more the athletic trainer because yeah. you don't. Well, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, the sideline evaluation is the hardest. So when you're watching athletic events and they say, "Oh, somebody has a potential concussion because they saw it," and then you come over, one of the challenging things on the sidelines is that those symptoms don't come up right away. Sometimes it takes ten minutes, twenty minutes, up to seventy-two hours. That's as long before as before you really will have a symptom. Yeah, before okay. before you could really measure the significance of the concussion. So, but in the case that um, you're you're not sure, is it something more like a, a brain bleed, a epidural hematoma, or subdural hematoma? Typically, the things we look at are blacking out, losing consciousness. So even if you start oriented, you just you fade off, nausea vomiting, extreme headache. So those are going to be some indicators if you go into the emergency room uh, that perhaps uh, they're going to do more significant testing. So if they do do uh, complete like a CAT scan or an x-ray, that's typically what they're trying to do is to rule out more serious injury. But, um, you know, we've seen some children with concussions that do not feel very good. So it's sometimes a hard call. Uh, but when in doubt, uh, we take them and refer them into the emergency room to make sure that they're okay. Okay. Yeah. And when you say more serious, I realize a bleed in your brain is more serious. Yeah. But we cannot deny the seriousness of concussions. Correct. Right. Correct. It's so important. Well, this is an interesting discussion. I'm sure many people listening are aware of young kids that have been hurt and uh, suffered concussions. And if you'd like to know more, we hope you keep listening. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. As I mentioned at the outset, Dr. Holm is not with us, but with us today is my guest, Bernadette Olson. Bernadette is a South Dakota State University professor in the Health and Nutrition Science Department, and her research has had to do with concussions on young people, high school age people. 
glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you and, for having and me. It's, it's a great discussion on, on uh, concussions. During the break, Bob asked the question, aren't some sports at higher risk than other sports for concussion? Uh, no doubt. Um, so uh, particularly when you look at the high school sports that are offered within the area, uh, probably football, um, uh, ice hockey, and wrestling are the, the, the big three that for our region for for our region we don't have high school boxing so boxing would be ruled out boxing right? would be ruled out for yeah. me i don't yeah. uh, but definitely yeah. uh ifc no no i don't work with any ifc yeah. kids when i was in grade school we actually had a grade school boxing team so that's a lot of years ago though oh, but it was sure. boxing was still very popular Absolutely. back in the 60s and uh I'm sure that those some of those kids really suffered some concussions, even Absolutely. if they wore if they wear helmets. Supposedly that helps, but it doesn't always save somebody. You no. know, you think of football. Yep, yep. Helmets were actually designed to uh, prevent skull fractures because prior to helmets, uh, footballers uh, had very little protection and skull fractures were at a very high rate. So now we've taken that out of the the picture. It's very rare that you would have that, but. They provide some protection, probably take some of the force in concussion. But the other side of it, I think there, there's the concern that you put protective equipment on and you're invincible. So uh, there's still appropriate technique, making sure that there's legal play uh, that are so incredibly important in, in sports. Is this why yeah. soccer might be a little safer? Because even though it's a contact sport, they really don't have all that equipment on, so they don't feel invincible. And they're probably a little bit safer, or am I wrong on that? Uh, soccer, soccer, yes, uh, except for heading. Yes, heading uh, should it, be out. Then you get head-to-head -head contact. Um, and again, it comes down to uh, technique. Um, yeah, absolutely. And okay. then clean play. I mean, yeah. there's the difference between malicious heading and heading right. towards the ball, mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, what have you discovered about the uh, recovery time for concussions? If somebody has a concussion, right. how long do you s just set a certain date? This is it. You're recovered. Right. So, uh, so there's there's a, a couple thoughts that I can give you. Um, typically, when we work with sport injury, uh, I, I try not to give individuals a specific time frame, although that's always a question. Uh, but I will have to say that um, if a child reports, comes out. Uh, is evaluated by a medical provider and does the things at the very start um, in terms of, you know, resting, sleeping, trying to pull out stimulus. The typical timeline for, I'd say, about a 16 to 18-year-old would be about 10 to 14 days. And again, that's through to, um, you know, feeling good. And then we have to also build in uh, a requirement for return to play. So we want them back into school and play, school first, activity daily living. Then we start adding in some more activity. So uh, for, for younger children under the age of 16, I would say we could go up to 21 to 30 days. But I'm going to say the caveat, too, that's just a general timeline. Every child is different. Um, I, I've been to several conferences, and uh, the, the, the little phrase that I keep hearing is, if you've seen one concussion, you've seen one concussion, meaning that every, everybody presents that's different. So I think that's probably been one of the most eye-opening pieces of our process is that uh, what we've done is we've standardized a process that parents, children, providers can work through. 
but how they present at the different points we collect data will look a little different. But it's nice because then we can individualize the plan for students. There's also children who will have what we call modifiers. So if children have had previous concussions or anxiety, depression, ADD, ADHD, those are all things that could affect the way that they heal during the process and or how how their condition is managed. So that is up to, again, the parent, the child, the provider to make those decisions. So some, some will go really fast and heal up really quick. Some won't. The last caveat that I'll make, and this is a little bit of advocacy here, um, children who don't report and try to continue to participate. And this is also not just what we're finding in our research, but this is complemented by what's happening nationally. Um, they take much longer to heal. Um, and if they, and they may get to a point where they don't heal up completely and end up what we, in what we call post-concussion syndrome. So uh, that's a big part of our project is to encourage students to report early, come out of play, be safe, uh, and then start that management process. And that non-reporting is, is really tragic in many cases it is because they're, they're really affecting their entire life by not reporting uh, absolutely absolutely the, the results of not reporting concussions can usually bring on much longer problems and things that will remain with them for a year or more it is it is uh, and it's very difficult in the culture of sport because the culture of sport is go 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 sometimes you're not you know you got to play through certain things but what we're trying to teach uh children as well as create the environment uh, and and I, w I will say um, I, I have to commend all the communities that I work with because I think they've made an amazing commitment to health and safety and I think we do have great environments and that's actually a part of our the next research piece that I'm trying yeah. to pick up is whether we have good knowledge and attitude well the research you've done so far yeah. has worked with uh, seven regional high schools yep. and do you feel like um, uh, you have made a difference at those schools, or have you suggested concussion protocol to them? How has this research worked, actually? Yeah, so um, so uh, the, the overarching goal of the process is to describe severity outcomes and gender differences. So the project has been in place for seven years. Um, what I need to do is to go back. Now I've got about five years of good data. I've got a large number to be able to describe that. But... I think some of the impact that the program has made uh, ha is providing a very standardized assessment process. So uh, we offer what's called baseline testing. So we bring children in prior to any participation when they're in a healthy rested state and we put them through a, a protocol. Uh, so we have some data on each child before they start. Uh, and then we do, we have a point at about 24, 72 hours that if a child does have a head injury, uh, and it's been uh, suspected to be a concussion, I'll run the same protocol. So now we can take that data, measure it against their, their, their baseline, baseline data. Oh, so, okay. so now I can, tell, I can tell parents, children, providers, uh, this is what they look like now. It has changed. Absolutely. It's not the same. Or Absolutely. if it's the same, then you're, you can feel good. Absolutely. It's pretty safe. So, um, yeah, so I think uh, collecting that data right there. And then we've done a lot of work on making sure that the tools that we're using are what we call valid and reliable. We can trust that if we find a difference, that it actually means there's a difference. And 
Uh, and we like the tools. We like that we're using a multimodal method, so we're, we're not just looking at symptoms. We're looking at symptoms and cognition and balance and eyes. Um, I think it's also helped uh, parents or providers understand that um, sometimes there's some other therapies that kids might need besides just rest. So those are the things I think are, are helping providers, parents, and children. Okay. And when you work with these schools, are you working with the uh, athletic directors, the athletic trainers? Who are you working with? So uh, it depends on each school. Um, at Brookings High School, uh, very lucky to have two full-time uh, licensed athletic trainers. I work with Randy Soma, Paul Von Fisher, the custodial staff, the tech staff. I mean, it takes <laughs> a lot to run what we do, so um, it's a big coordination. In some of the smaller schools, it's usually the superintendents, athletic directors, coaches, tech coordinators, parents. Okay. So. And so do you actually have a program, let's just specifically say Brookings High School, where every athlete has to do a certain baseline protocol before they start their sport? Is that what you do, or how is so, it handled? So each, each school decides, um, decides whether they want it required for their students or not. Um, the decision at Brookings High School, uh, it's, it's strongly recommended, and then there are sports who fully support it. So uh, uh, Coach Lee Schmidt in football, he gets all of his guys through soccer. They get their, their kids through. It's just it's, it's, it's difficult because uh, I can only baseline test a certain amount of time because right. of my resources. So we try to get as many kids through as we possibly okay. that can. That baseline has to make a huge difference, though, because if you have that and then they come in and you can compare it, you have a lot to tell. Uh, if I, And I, I, I'll, I always tell parents, if your child has a head injury, and even if I don't have a baseline, if you want me to run my protocol, I will, because it will still give you good data and you can make good decisions. But that baseline... It's worth, and we probably test 1,100 students every year for baseline, so uh, across the eight school districts. So it's a lot of kids, um, and, uh, but we keep doing it because, again, I think the baselines have just been so helpful. Well, good. Yep. Well, this is fascinating. Uh, I'm so glad this work is being done. It may, will make a huge difference in a lot of young people. We are due to take our final break. Uh, we hope you continue listening, and we'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. I'm Joan Hogan. With me in the studio is uh, Bernadette Olson, who's a South Dakota State University professor in the Health and Nutritional Science Department. She's also an uh, athletic trainer, and that background has brought her with this interest of hers in uh, doing research on concussions. This is interesting for more than one reason. I wanted to mention tomorrow night on Dr. Holmes' uh, on call with the Prairie Doc television program, which airs at 7 o'clock on South Dakota Public Television. The program will feature uh, the discussion of headaches and cutting-edge therapies. So we really tied this in very well. Absolutely. Certainly concussions tie into headaches, and a lot of new therapies are going on. We have a professor or a a medical doctor from the Vera Medical Group Neurology, Carol Nelson, will be with Dr. Holm tomorrow evening. So we hope you catch that. Back to today in our discussion with uh, 
you know, I keep wanting to say Roberta, which is terrible. I've known Roberta Olson forever. <laughs> and every time Roberta. I go to say Bernadette, Roberta wants to come out. I'm sorry. R- Roberta I, is a, she's she's a, a great, great lady. Yes, I, uh, yeah. She's and a great mentor to me. Yeah. Oh, yep. she is. Oh, oh absolutely. Good. Okay. Well, she had been, for those of you who don't know Roberta, this is Bernadette, not Roberta. Roberta was head of the, uh, or dean, is it dean or? Dean. Of the School of Nursing yep. for many years. And she's yeah. interim dean right now. Isn't she back? That's she what I is. thought. They just won't let people retire at that university. Yeah, yes. she's back as interim Absolutely. dean. Great woman. So I'm sorry if I start oh, to okay. stutter when I go to say Bernadette because that old name is stuck in my head. Well, we're talking about concussions, and um, Bernadette has done a great job of doing a lot of research on it. And I'm just wondering, one of the questions I had in mind, have, you have a protocol now that you use at the schools. Has your research, or are you familiar with a protocol that pediatricians use, or have you worked with pediatricians to try to have a protocol for them? Yeah, interesting. So uh, the protocol that I work with is appropriate for children 12 to 18, and actually is used uh, older, so similar college, et cetera. Um, you know, there, there, there are better tools now for children under the age of 12, uh, but we haven't really pulled it all together. Um, so, uh, and interestingly enough, this last year, um, and I think that this is great on the part of parents, we probably had more children come to baseline testing under the age of 12. So, oh, you did? The, yeah, the balance test that I do and the eye tracking test that I do are valid for children younger than 12. We validated uh, our balance error scoring system in our KD. So, when they come, I definitely have that on tap for them. Um, there is a kind of a paper pencil version called the SCAT-5 for child. It uh, is the support concussion assessment tool, and it is a tool that is age appropriate for asking questions about symptoms and some cognition. And then the, the neurocognitive, the computer program that I work with, Impact, also has come out with a child version. So. Um, I have not yet worked with pediatricians, but if there's anybody listening, I will I will start reaching out to make sure that uh, that I get their advice. Um, a physician that has helped to guide our project is a, a doctor by the name of Dr. Sam Schimmelfenig, and he is with Avera McGreevy in Sioux Falls, and he is a pediatrician uh, with a specialty in sport, uh, and he does very much with a, with the sport concussion through Avera Health in Sioux Falls, and he's helped guide the project as well. Uh, they brought on another physician, Jonathan Buchanan. Uh, so haven't gotten to a point where I've pulled it all together, uh, but uh, very nice. The university has just given me a little additional space so I can bring kids on campus to test. Uh, so uh, so that's my next, my next goal, is to reach out and put together a pediatric mm-hmm. protocol that will work okay. for parents and providers. You know, for those listening who might want to know a little bit more than what they're learning today, do you, is there something online or some research they can go to to find out more about concussions and concussion therapy? Yeah, you know, um, so the site that I really encourage uh, any public member to go out to is the CDC site. CDC is the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And if you just Google heads up, Heads up. CD, CDC heads up. And they have done such a brilliant job in terms of pulling together evidence-based practice. And they have a section for uh, parents. They have a section for coaches. They have a section for providers. They have a section for health prof- school health professionals. So, for example, nurses or athletic trainers. Uh, I definitely recommend. And uh, I use a lot of my handout material from 
the CDC. The they're, CDC. They're so brilliant. it's CDC heads up. You yep. should, uh, if you're curious and want to know more, that's the that's the place to go, yep, right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, Bernadette, um, this has really been interesting for me. And um, personally, I've got a grandson who suffered with a concussion and oh, uh, back in New York, and he was a freshman in high school got hurt in a wrestling match and he didn't miss just a week or two of school he missed about a month yep. he couldn't get it back together and uh really that whole year was just about lost he got back to school fortunately there the coach wasn't much help but we can talk about new york <laughs> coaches just like yeah those things happen you know but right. there was uh someone at the at the high school who really understood and said the last thing i want you to do is come back too soon we're working with you you will you will finish this year but we're going to take it at your pace. So fortunately, there was someone on that campus who really understood Absolutely. how bad concussions can be. Yep. So yep. you hope that too, with if parents have kids that are, you know, have headaches and they're not going to school, there's got to be a reason, you know. Yep. It yes. just it's important for yep. them to get the help. I would um, agree. What have you? What do you think you've learned from all this data? Have you learned something new, or is what's happening is kind of what you expected? So uh, in terms of uh, prevalence, uh, meaning the frequency, uh, I think as an athletic trainer for almost 30 years, I've worked with any number of students, and you know that these concussions were occurring even though they weren't losing consciousness, but you really didn't have a lot of ground to support. You know, well, it's just a headache. Of course I can practice. They want to go. Coaches want to go. So... I think just understanding and having epidemiologists who put the data behind, yeah, it is happening. I think the next part is I love the fact that we now have a process in place. It's kind of like when you sprain your ankle. It doesn't look too bad on a Friday, but if, you know, you can always get an x-ray. There's always that next step. So that's what we've done uh, as, as healthcare providers, et cetera, is we've, we've put together a process that now parents can get information, children can get information. So I'm painting a picture. I try to tell parents what I'm giving you is an x-ray of your child and what their brain is, is functioning. So are they able to think and are they able to do things? So I think so, those are some of the key things. Oh, that's great. Yep. Well, thank you so much. I can't believe we've run out of time. This is an interesting discussion. It could probably go on a little while longer, but we hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Be sure to follow Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thanks a lot, Bernadette, for being with us. Uh, thank you so much for having me today. Okay, yeah. and I'll finish with Dr. Holm's usually finishing words. Stay healthy out there, people. <laughs>